0: Welcome to Lift, a parenting podcast where we ask the questions about family and faith. Parenting takes a lot of heavy lifting, both in physical, emotional, and spiritual ways. Let's face it, raising a family is hard work. Some of us are doing it as a single parent, some of us are working with a spouse, but all of us have questions every day. Are we screwing up our kids, our marriage, our relationships? This podcast will ask questions that can guide each of us to finding a rhythm and creating a space for God in our home. And did you know we have a Facebook page now, so make sure and check us out, Lift a Parenting Podcast on Facebook. Thank you for joining us again for season two of Lift. This month we're talking about um, what we might call hot topics, but I'm going to call them hard topics. We've brought Jenny Gomez back for our second episode of the hot topics. And today we're going to talk about um, risky behaviors in kids. But Jenny, before we do so, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Um, I am the director of the Counseling Center here at St. Andrew and i have been here for about 12 years. I am a licensed professional counselor supervisor and a registered play therapist supervisor. I've been in working with kids for about 20-something years now in various nonprofit or private practice um, capacities and um, feel pretty passionate about trying to help kids and teens make good choices and be healthy people.
0: So in that 20-year span, I'm sure you've seen many different behaviors in kids that we could call risky. Yes, for sure. What would you define as a risky behavior in a teen?
1: Um, I think a, an overarching <clears throat> type of a definition would just be something that a, a behavior that teenagers engage in impulsively that has serious consequences or potential for serious consequences.
0: Yeah. I think that's one of the big difference between parenting a elementary age kid and a teenager. Mm-hmm. even a middle schooler and a teenager is the, the severity of the consequences of actions. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some signs that we should look for as parents um, that might give us a hint that our kids might be involved in some risky behaviors?
1: Well, I think it's important to be very intentional about your relationship with your kids and look for opportunities to connect with them when things are normal and good and fine Mm -hmm. and pick up on their nonverbals, their way of communicating, how much they typically share with you or not, what their patterns are with regards to sleeping and eating and friends and homework and their grades and the things that matter to them, decisions they make. Knowing your kid when things are good and normal will help you be able to pick up on when things are off.
0: Okay. So I'm thinking like, my child this past year has vocalized a lot of stuff about what he likes and what he does not like. And at the beginning of it, I was a little worried about, is he going through something? Is this, you know, but really at that point, it was a healthy point. It was a new healthy. Right. Um, And it was him vocalizing truly. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. This isn't me. So where's the boundary there of like, I mean, he dropped out of some stuff. Mm-hmm. Which is a warning sign, right? Right. But once. Maybe. maybe yeah. yeah. Once Dan and I took a step back and looked, it was actually him vocalizing and it was a healthy thing. Right. So, can you help us find a balance between those two th- things? Yeah. And my
1: mom taught me, my mom said something to me when I had little kids that I have now just fully come to appreciate. And I, mind you, I've worked with kids and teenagers for. The bulk of my career, mm-hmm. and I did not fully appreciate this until I became a parent of a teen myself, <laughs> of when your kids are little, the decisions in parenting or the knowing how to handle things is pretty black and white. Right? Should they jump off the kitchen table? Should they eat cookies for dinner? Mm-hmm. Should they do their homework? Should they read before bed? Should they take a bath before bed? Should they get to play outside in the dark at midnight, right? right. They're easy, yes and no, obvious kinds of answers and questions. Right. When we hit adolescence, mm-hmm. there is a ton more gray area. Where as a parent, a your assessment of how your child is doing and what's going on and is this normal and okay or right. is this not, there's a lot of ambiguity and gray area there. Mm-hmm. And then when you do have an issue, how to handle it and how to respond to it is a whole lot more gray <laughs> than stop jumping on the couch, right? right? Like right. it's a it's there's so much more nuance and ambiguity to adolescent types of interactions and choices and how you handle things. Now, there are some that are very black and white. Should your child do drugs? No. That's a pretty obvious answer. But when you catch them in the middle of a potentially risky behavior, knowing how to handle it and Mm -hmm. knowing how to respond to it, of not being overreactive and running the risk of shutting down the communication with your child Mm -hmm. or Underreacting and having them think that somehow you're okay with this, and they will be more likely to repeat that behavior. Right. It's a it's a case by case basis, and so in terms of assessing, you know, my child is doing some of these things. I look at all the other context around it. Okay. So if my if my child comes to me, my my children competitively dance, and if one of them came to me and said, "I'm done. I'm done with dance. I don't want anything to do with it." Well, that would be out of the blue and bizarre mm-hmm. if it was out of the blue, if it right. hadn't been build up towards it. But I would then start looking at other context clues. Have we changed friends? How mm-hmm. are our grades?
0: Are we sleeping? Are we sleeping?
1: Are they acting weird to us? Have they shut down? Do they talk to us? Is, mm-hmm. What else is going on? Could it be that they've just simply burned out or there's some really mean girl on their team or suddenly it's not fun anymore? Their knees hurt or whatever. Right. Sure. It could be totally explainable. Or it could be a, a sign of something bigger mm-hmm.
0: that I would need to be able to kind of look at the other context clues around it. I love that context clues because that, I believe, is how I parent the best right now with teenagers. Yeah. Because th- you're right. It's not black and white. Like, And so you've just got to kind of always look at the environment as a whole. And it really helps. And for me, I'm... um parenting with my husband so we have both very different perspectives of the world and so when both of us can come together and kind of if we both kind of see a red flag it's like okay we need to pay attention to this because sometimes one of us will look i mean i always look through rose colored glasses, and um he always has his feet firmly planted on the ground but if we both come to it it's like oh wow pay attention you know so let's say we um Find marijuana in our child's room. What's the best way to help?
1: You just went right for it. Didn't I did. You? Okay. Yeah. Go for it.
0: Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> I wanted to call this podcast Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll, and you came up with your therapy, like risky behaviors. So I'm just going straight to the drugs,
1: Jenny. Okay. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's go to the drugs. Um, I think that if you find a substance, of any kind, whether mm-hmm. it's um, an illegal drug, whether it's um, a jewel, when they're mm-hmm. vaping, mm-hmm. or cigarettes, which they don't do as much anymore. They're
0: much more prone to I saw a kid vape. smoking on the way to work the other did day. Did you really? That's and I, like, so bizarre. Said, I said to my son. Did you son, check and see what kind of a... I did. Okay. I did. And I said, are they smoking a cigarette or a joint? He was like, why do you want me to look? I was like, <laughs> I just haven't seen a kid smoke in a car no, for a while. it's a long time. So that, that kid did. So, okay, fun fact. Sorry sorry for that. Okay.
1: Um, Well, if you find any kind of a substance in your child's room that is illegal for them to have, right? Mm Because any of those, whether it's cigarettes or a jewel or Mm -hmm. a drug of some kind or somebody else's prescription medication or alcohol, would be illegal for anybody under the age of 18 to have in their room. And so, if you find something like that, I think the natural reaction as parents is to flip out. Absolutely. Total flip out, total knee-jerk reaction Uh that can end up sabotaging the potential positive growth of that situation. Okay. So I think the first thing is to take a big, deep breath and to calm thyself. Like, you got to dial it back a little bit, which is hard in the moment. I fully, fully, fully appreciate that.
0: Um, Like, I'm visioning right now. If I were to find any of those things in my room, I would definitely have to go downstairs and breathe. Like there's you no, do. You there's have to take no a breath. There's no way I could address my kids in that moment. You
1: have to take a breath. And okay. as a parent, I think that is really, really crucial because the biggest part of parenting, in my opinion, is having a really strong relationship with your kid mm-hmm. so that when they screw up and they're going to screw right. up, that it doesn't – you have enough positive in the emotional bank account of the relationship – Mm-hmm. to compensate for the difficult that's going to come. Right. And that they also know that you're not out to get them. You're not trying to make their life miserable. You're not <laughs> – your, your goal in life is not to make them miserable. Mm-hmm. And when you have that positive connection, then you're able to get through those difficult times better. But you can also say things and do things that can really hurt that in the moment. And when you're angry and you're mad and you feel betrayed and you cannot believe this precious, sweet baby that you've taken care of would do something so horrible, the Mm -hmm. the natural reaction is not good for most of us. And it comes out as anger. And I think we all know that we're not supposed to parent out of anger. Right. Whether it's when they're three or 13 or Mm -hmm. 17, we should not parent out of anger. And so to take a minute,
0: Mm -hmm. take a step back, go downstairs, take
1: a time out, calm down a little bit, phone a friend. Do something before you address it. Because if you address it in anger, you cannot take those words back. Mm -hmm. And I think that a well-executed disciplinary discussion and subsequent consequences can have huge benefits for the kid and their choices and y'all's relationship.
0: So can you paint a picture of what that looks like?
1: Yes. So let's say that your child has messed up. Okay, obviously. And you catch them or they come tell you, right? That's a mm-hmm. big thing in our house, is that it will always be less significant yes. if you yes. come tell us the truth. Um, so you find out
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you are really your your human response is anger and fear, a lot of times we're scared. Yeah. And so as parents, our fear comes out as anger. Right. And so you literally step away for a few minutes. Okay. Walk away. Um, your kid may know that you found it, that you saw it. There may be in the moment of it and it is totally appropriate. And I think healthy modeling to say, let me have your phone. I can't quite talk about this right now. I'm going to need some time. I need to talk to your father, your mother, whoever, whichever spouse. i just need a few minutes. There's going to be consequences. I, you know, I, I just am not quite ready to deal with that quite yet. So why don't you go ahead and hand me your phone.
0: Mm-hmm. So you
1: stay up here and I'll be back in a little while. Right. And literally go away. Take their phone. Yes. Before they have time to do anything.
0: That's good. Good Take their phone. Yes.
1: And then um, take your time out. Get ahead. Get your head right. Get your strategy right of how you're going to handle it. Take a deep breath. Mm -hmm. Remember, this too shall pass. They're not a terrible, horrible person. They are your child that you love dearly, but they are a child and they have a mushy frontal lobe (laughs) and they don't know how to make good decisions and they get caught up in the impulse.
0: I I would say almost every podcast talks about brain development in that aspect it's so important i mean it just
1: is and my husband points out that's not a pass jenny And i'm like i know it's not a pass right and i'm not saying it is but it helps me put some perspective around the choices Mm -hmm. and that i'm not evaluating my kids choices as if it was an adult making the same choices truth and it helps me just process it better and also helps me process how i'm going to communicate with them in a discipline right and know how they can handle that um and so then you go back in there and it's most important that you be on the same page as your spouse.
0: Mm-hmm. It doesn't
1: necessarily always have to be together, but that y'all have communicated and you both agree. Right. The other good reason that you should take a time out is that when you're really angry, you're more likely to say you're going to ground them for a year or right. something dramatic that you are never going to be able to stick to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it is much more valuable to have a shorter, more significant punishment and mm-hmm. lack of privileges than a longer one that you're more likely to cave on right. and they know you're going to cave and it's going to change their ability to trust your they're not going to take you seriously anymore right so and then the consequences are null and void right and then yeah. they're like well whatever they'll change their mind in a few days anyways who cares right so it is better you're more likely to think intentionally and not just say something ridiculous mm-hmm. when you're calm
0: so what's the difference between a bad decision and an addiction how, how do you if you see a controlled substance, I mean, do you go straight to they're addicted to heroin and all the bad things or how do you breathe through that? OK, so if
1: you feel like your child is using a substance, um, number one is they're probably not addicted. They may be, but you probably would have known already if they were addicted. OK, it probably would have gone on long enough that you probably would have already picked up on that. I see that. Um, most kids that parents bring them in because they busted them with weed or drinking mm-hmm. or vaping or whatever, they are not addicted. They do not meet the diagnostic criteria for an addiction. Okay. Basically, the the layman's definition of, of addiction is repeated use of a substance despite continued negative consequences. Okay. Most kids use, because it's cool, quote unquote, air quotes, mm-hmm. um, they use at a party. Because, quote, unquote, everybody's doing it. Right. Um, Or they do it because it's usually because of their friends. Mm -hmm. You don't usually see kids using a substance by themselves. Interesting. With the exception of maybe vaping, you do sometimes see kids that have become more addicted to that because Mm -hmm. there's a nicotine factor. But typically speaking, when you're talking about, like, alcohol or street drugs, Mm -hmm. you're not going to usually see... A full-blown addiction and so we're not really looking at throwing a kid in treatment
0: like right. rehab right
1: we're more looking at what do we need to do differently to help this kid get on the right path okay and make good choices
0: i like that because i think sometimes i mean your advice of breathing is helpful because i do think if i saw something i might just go to this like deep dark place of oh my gosh right i would also possibly go to a deep dark place of judging myself as a parent it, what have I done wrong? How could yep. I do better? Yep. Um, how do we breathe through that? Because that I think that comes that night, right? As you're going to bed that night and you just start thinking of how did I get here?
1: I think whenever our kids mess up, it is normal as a parent to feel embarrassed or parental shame mm. of what did I do to contribute to this? Right. Or what did I not do to avoid this? Mm-hmm. And I think that's very normal um, at all ages, but more significant when they're adolescents, because like we've said, it's a bigger the consequence right. is bigger. Right. And it has more tentacles and implications potentially. And so um I think that we have to recognize that our kids are human. They have, again, mushy frontal lobes, that they are imperfect.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we are imperfect. And again, I have seen, I'm a big believer in resiliency. Yeah. And I look for resiliency in all kinds of situations. Will
0: because you just pause and define that because I hear yeah. it a lot right now. I want to hear your definition of what yeah. that means. So,
1: the re- the definition of resiliency basically is the ability to bounce back and be stronger despite repeated exposure to stress. Okay. And so, there's a body of research out there as a clinician that's been very important to my own. Self-care mm-hmm. to understand about resiliency because people don't come see me because things are great. <laughs> right. And the resiliency research tells us that kids and individuals who've gone through difficult times, if they are given, you know, certain protective factors in their life, tend to be stronger and more resilient than people who did not go through difficult times. Right. And it's the what doesn't kill you makes you stronger idea, mm-hmm. right? I had a kid that I said that one time and they said, oh, Kelly Clarkson invented that. (laughs) Yeah, Sure. Yep. Let's go with that, kiddo. (laughs) Or maybe the Um, Beatitudes. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Yep. So, (laughs) yes. So that's the resiliency of we can go through a tough time and be stronger. Mm -hmm. And I think, not I think, I know that that's the case for individuals. We can go through a trial and tribulation, kind of a time in our personal life and given the right intervention and the right tools and the right direction become stronger for it, so can our family, so can our parent-child relationship. We can go through a difficult time with our child of catching them in the act of some risky behavior and parenting through it in a way that actually makes our relationship with our child stronger.
0: You know, so as a pastor, I've just got to bring up that the Bible is full of imperfect people that God has called to help raise the kingdom, be the church. And I think sometimes we forget when we look at the Bible stories or the Bible narratives or the Beatitudes, we look at things that are like wonderful and good. But if you look at most strong leaders that God has called, they are very imperfect people, right? right? And that's a reminder to me. Um, Lately, my mantra has been from Genesis 1. Um, and two, that God created the world. And at the end, God said, it is good. God did not say it is perfect. God did not say it is amazing and outstanding. Um, God said it is good. And I think with good comes some flaws sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, or I don't want to say God created flaws, so don't read into that, but that good is good enough. Right. And I think sometimes um, when we do mess up, leaning into that faith story of good is good enough and that God calls imperfect people can bring some peace and some light into some darkness. Completely agree. And I would tag along with,
1: I'm a believer in, I'm going to do the next best thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to be defined by the mess up because I can't go back in time and change it. Right. Right but I'm going to grow from it. Mm-hmm. So whether it's a mess up as a parent or my child's gone through a mess up, mm-hmm. how do I, as a parent, help her be healthier and better for it? Right. How do I do a better job next time or preventatively and more proactively or however the issue is? But that we have an opportunity to not be defined by the thing that happened by what but but what we do about it yes and how we grow through it and so yes i think that good and good enough is really important especially when it comes to parental shame Mm -hmm. but i'm all about like i can't sit in that place because (laughs) i can't change it i can't do anything about what just happened other than what am i going to do better next time next time or five minutes from now or
0: tomorrow to and that goes back to that resilience yes yeah yes yeah so on that kind of path, right, we're moving forward. How do you rebuild trust? Because I would think both sides, right, are damaged and that trust line has been broken. How do you let your kid out of your house? How do you, you know, how do they trust you to come back and tell you something has happened again? How do, how do you move forward with that? I think it is easier for kids to trust us.
1: Okay, they tend to be more forgiving, <laughs> um, and they don't have as big of stakes in trusting us as we do of them. Okay, unless we have unless there's a very unhealthy parent that maybe has done some really right. bad things. That's, that right. would be different. But that's where I go back to: if we do mess up, right? Mm-hmm. I try really hard to go take that time out and take a break before I <laughs> say something I'm going to regret yep. later. Yep. But let's say I didn't. Let's say I smarted off and it all just flew out of me, and I it was not my finest parenting moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been there. <laughs> we, I have too, right? And, right. But the the important thing again is the modeling and the relationship to go back and own it yeah. and apologize. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was super angry. And I did not handle that situation the way I would have Mm -hmm. liked to. And I apologize for how I handled it. Mm -hmm. Not apologizing for being mad at you for finding marijuana in your room or whatever it is, other risky behaviors you're doing. But I'm going to apologize for the way I handled it. And I was out of line. Mm -hmm. And I was, it was too much. Mm -hmm. And I said some things that I don't mean and they were out of anger and I want to apologize to you and I'm really sorry. Even when we're mad at our kid and holding them accountable for consequences, it is important to do that. That's one way that our kids can trust us. And we're also modeling How you do that in relationships with people Mm -hmm. that you care about. The other part of that is um, when our kids um, mess up, Mm -hmm. that I look for opportunities to turn it back on them versus me being bad cop, right? So the way we structure it is here are the rules and expectations. Mm -hmm. You have a choice of whether you're going to choose them or not. We're just the referee. So if you step out of bounds, we're going to call it. And you know what the consequences are. There's not, it's not arbitrary. It's not a surprise. It's not a surprise. You have full understanding of what the expectations are and what the consequences are, just as if you were in a football game. Mm -hmm. You know what happens. You know where the lines are. And you know what happens when you get out of them. Right. And I think if you set up your relationship with your kids that way from a parenting standpoint, when it happens, you're not the horrible, evil person. Right. It was their choice. Right. And you're enforcing the rules of the game. Yeah, And you don't shame them. You don't scream and holler at them as best you can. <laughs> but And honestly, kids react a whole lot more to a calm yes. disappointment than they do a yelling anger. Yelling yes. anger, they tone out and they're like, okay, this will pass, whatever, and they'll be fine tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But if you sit down and you tell your kid, wow, I... I'm hurt, and I'm right. sad, and I'm disappointed, and I'm questioning what I've done wrong, and right. maybe what, what I need to handle differently, and I love you, and nothing that you could ever do would change my love for you, but I'm really sad about this choice, and it really concerns me about your judgment mm-hmm. and about where your head's at right now, and we're going to probably have to recalibrate some of the ways we're handling things because you're not in a position right now to be able to yeah. make good decisions. Right. And it's not because I'm mad at you and I I think you're a terrible person. It's because my job is to protect you, even when it means protecting you from yourself.
0: Ooh, that's good.
1: And right now, you're demonstrating to me that you have impaired judgment. Right. And I have to protect you from that.
0: That's good. I'm going to keep that. I'm glad that was recorded. (laughs) Um, Okay, we've talked a lot about controlled substance and, you know, that kind of stuff. What if you find out your kid's having sex at a young age? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I am constantly surprised by the sexual activity that I hear about either from my kids or from my job or whatever. Um, to me, controlled substance feels like an quote unquote easier, like horrible, don't want to have to do it. But I feel like I would know extinct, like, I feel like I would know what to do as a parent. Know if I would know that if I found that my kid was participating in sexual activity, consent, consensual right. sexual activity. Important clarifier. Uh huh. Um. For a, at a young age, can you give me some direction?
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: All of us. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I think it starts. You know, obviously, there's to the extent that we can be proactive, we need to be right And talking with our kids about sex and sexual activity, and what. Um, our and our hopes are for them, mm-hmm. and our expectations. Um, people, I think, parents tend to think their kids aren't going to care what they think, and that kids blow off what their parents' opinions are. Right. There's been some really good research over the years that shows actually that one of the biggest determining factors in whether a child will engage in a risky behavior is what they think their parents would think about it. Yep. And it does matter. And those talks do matter. Even the uncomfortable ones about sex that are hard to have are so important. And I think that it goes to um, Mm self-worth and value. And the reality is, you know, kids come talk to me with a sense of confidence behind closed doors and confidentiality. (laughs) The reality is kids are way more sexually active than they've ever been. Um, They are very desensitized. To sexual behavior, to sexual innuendo, to comments, to things, to words, um, their social media, YouTube, all kinds of things current that make sexual behavior they they become desensitized absolutely and it's just things that used to be more private mm-hmm. and and seen as potentially trashy or not appropriate or out of line are yeah. now very mainstream
0: that's i always use an example when i teach human sexuality class of like my my husband tells me the story of the woods behind his house in a certain tree there oh. was the playboy oh right and so all the boys knew where the playboy was but you had to go to the tree and you had to look at the Playboy. Then you had to put the Playboy back and then you went home. Right. It wasn't with you Right. at all times. Right. Which is, that's what's different now. Yep.
1: Yeah. It is. And it's parents don't, I am consistently boggled. Um, let me back up. Yep. I have a fundamental belief That for the most part, we are all doing the very best we can on any given day with the resources that we have available to us. Resources meaning emotional, physical, sleep, financial, cognitive, Mm -hmm. parenting, that we're doing the best we can with what we got. Right. That being said, I think a lot of parents struggle to realize what their kids are engaging in. Mm -hmm. And they look the other way. They aren't going through the kid's phone every night they Mm -hmm. aren't looking at all of their accounts and their friends accounts yes
0: they aren't the pictures you gotta look at your kids pictures on the phone right like yeah it's important you gotta go in through your
1: kid's phone and look at their friends accounts yes that's where you find all kinds of really horrible things um because that's what even if your kid is engaging is not engaging in it That's what they're being exposed to. If you just friend your child on a social media platform, Mm -hmm. you're only seeing what they put out. If you go in through their phone, through their account, now you see what they're seeing all day long every day when they have that access in their hands. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And for whatever reason, I think parents want to think the best of their kids. I think parents want to assume it's no big deal. They're just kids. I was a kid once. And as a teenage counselor for many years, I am here to tell you, you got to do it. Yeah. And it is a very slippery slope um, of how things can go from okay to not okay. And if I'm a kid and I'm seeing people behave in certain ways on social media or on YouTube or on TV or whatever, or I'm communicating with people in a certain way, suddenly what always seemed that taboo now seems totally reasonable. Exactly. And not that big of a thing. And if your parents are
0: monitoring things, they can catch it before it
1: gets to that that's point. That's what I
0: was thinking is healthy conversation. <clears throat> so if you see something on the, your kid's phone that's sexually inappropriate, it is a great opportunity right. to have a conversation of why that's not appropriate. You're not emotionally ready for this. You're probably not physically ready for this. All of the different things that you can say and have open, honest, healthy conversations that could probably help eliminate maybe risky behaviors in the future.
1: Agreed. And again, I think that there's opportunities, there's teachable moments. Mm -hmm. And as parents, I think we have to look for those teachable moments. Mm -hmm. And I try really hard to not be the Charlie Brown teacher when I'm talking to my kids. right? And instead, put it on them. Like, help me understand what your thoughts, when you see this, help me understand what you think about that. What Mm -hmm. does that mean to you? Like not, not being judgy, Mm -hmm. which is hard, right? I have to mind my tone, (laughs) Yes, trying not to be judgy, trying not to be um, condescending or shaming, Mm -hmm. but help me understand how that registers for you. What do you think about that? The other thing is that when kids, kids are going to be very defensive of their friends. Oh, yeah very protective of their friends and that's very age appropriate. And so I have taken a stance and I truly mean it. I'm not just faking it. It's very genuine, but that I, when I see certain things on my kids' social media that their friends are engaging in,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I am deeply worried yeah, and concerned. And I'm not going to come out and say, well, your friends are terrible people and you can never <laughs> hang out with them again. My stance is, honey, I'm worried. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm really worried if that's what 12 and 13 looks like. what is 16 and 17? (laughs) What in the world, you know? And so I try to create a space where we can have those discussions about things and and they can come in and go, well, what does that mean? What does that Mm -hmm. mean? And some of the things that are asked of me between my daughters and I are quite right right out of the, you know, it's pretty funny, but, (laughs) um, but I want to create a space where we can talk about it. And so if, if a parent finds out that their child is engaging in sexual behavior. If you have that kind of relationship, Mm -hmm. it makes it easier to deal with. Mm -hmm. If you do not have that kind of relationship, it doesn't mean that you can't start now. Right. And take that difficult moment. Please say that
0: again. It's never too late. It's never
1: too late. And just because it hasn't happened yet, meaning the connection with your kid the way you wish, Mm -hmm. when that terrible moment happens and you find something out that's upsetting about your child, start today, start then, and use that moment as, you know what? I love them more than anything in the whole wide world. They are not a terrible person. Mm-hmm. They have a mushy frontal lobe. I need to be a parent, and that doesn't mean we'll banish them and lock them in their room and scream and holler and shame them.
0: Mm-hmm. It means talk to them. One of our previous podcasts talked about discipline as teaching, yes, a disciple, and that's, that's what has, it is. That's just stayed with me. That discipline is it doesn't mean. You know, a spanking and time out. Discipline means learning from something. And um again, I love that it's never too late um, to have to start having those conversations.
1: Yep. And and to and to have conversations even when it feels uncomfortable to just say, Hey, yeah. What do you think about X, Y, or Z? Right. One of the greatest topics right now, and I'm not gonna share my opinion on it, probably not, is like the Super Bowl halftime show. Right. Right. Like to ask a teenager, what are your thoughts about that? Mm-hmm. I want to know what you think. Don't put your thoughts on it first. Right. Like keep your mouth shut. One of the best things about one of the most important parts of parenting is to just listen sometimes mm-hmm. and to shut your mouth.
0: Let them talk. I mean, absolutely. Car rides, walk to Sonic. Yep. It's why I'm tired these days is for some reason after the sun goes down. That's I when they get chatty. Oh, my goodness. Kills Could me. Could you not chat at 630? Nope. But they nope. They can't. Mm-hmm um that time please yeah my oldest got a job which means he's out a little bit later and man when he gets home he just wants to tell me all about his day and his job and his and i want to be there for that so i take a nap yeah (laughs) some days or some days i just wake up tired it's fine right okay i think you've given me some hope and all of us of listen it doesn't mean it's gonna happen But there is going to be a day where we are disappointed in a choice our kid has made. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be drugs or sexual activity or something like that, but definitely. And we're probably going to disappoint them at some point. A hundred percent. And just to breathe and recognize the teachable moments and how can we be better tomorrow.
1: And look for opportunities as a parent to stay on top of it.
0: Mm. That's
1: good. Learn from people who do specialize in these kinds of issues. Learn from the experts. Figure out the ways to monitor your child's phone. Figure out the ways to be proactive in dealing with drug and alcohol concerns. Mm-hmm. Go to people that know, and and don't just settle. It's that growth and mind and fixed mindset. Don't just say like, "Well, it is what it is. It's a tough time. They'll be fine." Right. Grow with it. Grow. Stretch your parenting and build your skills and build your toolbox so that, therefore hopefully you can be proactive and Mm -hmm. and the stakes are higher now What our kids are engaging in now is more deadly and scary and risky and Mm life-altering and so therefore we don't have the luxury of just saying oh there are kids they'll be fine you know no we don't we don't have that luxury anymore we have to step up our parenting game to match where they're at
0: Mm -hmm. i mean just even my son got a truck um when he turned 16, a nice 2001 truck. So Mm -hmm. let's, let's recognize that the windows roll down, but may not roll back up. Okay. Um, but it's, it's a great first car and, um, and I bought it for a church member. So if you're listening, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) But if he, he took his brother and a friend in the back of the bed of the truck and, um, Dan and I had not set that expectation that it, that wasn't Okay. Like we just assumed that his mushy frontal lobe would know that that's not okay, which is a bad assumption. Um, But he, he goes, I have seen pictures of in the photo album of you riding in the back of pops, my dad's truck. I was like, yeah, for sure. We've learned that that was a bad idea. And so just so you know, today, I'm a little angry that you made that decision. But if it happens again, there's no more truck, right? Right. Um, I wanted to take the truck away immediately and then just lock them both in a room and, you know, keep them safe forever. Right. You know, feed Bubble. them. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, until like one day I want them to get married and they've lived in a room for 20 years and it's a bit awkward. That'd be weird. Yeah. But again, it's what we've learned. Yeah. You know, that's why I tell that story is not, um, we've, we've, we know better. And we have to go and grow from that.
1: We have to grow and we have to utilize the resources that are available to us. Mm-hmm. And we live in a scary time. Mm-hmm. It is a scary time to be a parent. And we have to utilize the resources that that exist. Right. It's why random drug testing and random vape testing happens in my home. It's Same. why we read phones every night. It's Same. why we know all the friends. It's why we, there are certain friends we, you know, we love and we hope are well, but my kids aren't going to spend the night at their house, right? Right. Because I just don't feel that that's safe. I mean, it's a full-time job. Yes. And because the stakes are higher and it is a difficult time, but I have to utilize the resources that are available in terms of experts and research and ways to do it and technology to monitor phones, whatever. We we have to do those things. And if if everybody could kind of if all the parents, we could all kind of band together. (laughs) It would make it so much easier. I had one of our youth staff asked me, One of the smartest questions I've had in a long time and said, you know, we work with these kids all the time, but what's the hardest part of parenting Mm -hmm. a teenager? And it took me by surprise. I thought it was a really good question. And my response was, after I thought about it for a little bit, my hardest challenge of parenting a teenager is the other parents Yeah, and wishing that I could help get them, give them some more resources so that we could all be more on the same page. Yeah. Because it's hard being the only parent who's not going to let your kid go do X, Y, or Z. Right. And a lot of times that happens. And that doesn't mean that I'm not going to be it. Right. right. I love my kid enough to be the only parent, the only bad guy. Mm-hmm. But it sure would be nice if we could all kind of band together. I feel like
0: there's more of us out there. <laughs>
1: I feel like there are, but I think that it's important for us to
0: talk about it and communicate and utilize mm-hmm. each other as supports and you know, well, and we're all going to have good days and bad days. Totally. And we need each other to lift us up through that. Yep. All right. Hardest question of the podcast. If you could pick parent, child, or teen, so pick the age group first, what is one thing you wish they knew about today's topic?
1: I wish that parents—I guess I'm going to be redundant a little bit. That's fine. It's so, so. it's an important thing. I wish that parents could have the confidence in themselves and the confidence in their relationship with their child to be the bad cop when they need to be. And and to, to do it in a way that builds the relationship and that it's going to be okay and that your kid— Wants those boundaries and appreciates that you care enough to do that and that it's going to make your relationship stronger. And their brains are not developed enough to just hope for the best and they'll figure it out. They need us to jump in, they need us to help regulate their behavior and keep them safe until they're ready to take the reins. And so, that we can't just because we have quote unquote a mature kid doesn't mean that we kind of let them do their own thing. We have to stay engaged as parents through most of college years, arguably. Right. right. So
0: thank you again. Your wisdom is always helpful for me personally, and I hope for everybody that was listening. Thanks so much for listening today. We really appreciate all that you do to help lift, connect with others. Make sure and go like our Facebook page where we give information about our guests, upload our podcast each week. And I just want to say, remember, if you need anything or any of these podcasts, bring deeper questions. You can always reach out to me at St. Andrew. Look forward to connecting with you on our next episode.